Welcome to Career Buzz, the unique radio conversation that empowers lives, enriches careers, and energizes organizations. Today on your show, what are the links between mental health and career development? Hi, I'm Mark Franklin, practice leader of a team of professional career counselors at CareerCycles.com and co-founder of One Life Tools. I'm pleased to be your host today on Career Buzz. Thanks for tuning in this morning. Dr. Hoda Kalani is raising career literacy one interview at a time. She's host of Hoda's Career Info on SoundCloud. Hoda's a certified professional career coach and founder of Right Career Fit. Hoda's guest, Dave Redekop, is known for his teaching, facilitation, public speaking, product development, and research. He's president of Life Role Development Group. Dave's work focuses on career development and leadership, from helping at-risk teens manage their career paths to developing leaders in the corporate world. And Dave's no stranger to career buzz. He was a guest back in 2013 when he shared his Now Next Future model. Most recently, together with Michael Houston, Dave Rudikop co-authored the important book, Strengthening Mental Health Through Effective Career Development, A Practitioner's Guide. It's this focus on the link between mental health and career development that we explore in today's episode. You can find Hoda's career info on YouTube and SoundCloud and LinkedIn. Today, we hear episode number 13 with my friend and colleague, Dave Rudikop. Welcome to a new episode of Huda's Career Info. My name is Huda, and I'm your host. My guest today is Dr. Dave Redekop, a winner of provincial and national awards in career development. Dave is the president of Life Role Development Group Limited. He has devoted over 30 years to the development of better career development and workplace concepts and practices. His work has addressed a wide range of issues in both career development and leadership. From helping at-risk teens manage their career path to developing leaders in the corporate world. Dave has been privileged to be invited to work in almost all Canadian provinces and territories in a number of worldwide countries. His passion for career and leadership development pervades his work, which includes teaching, facilitation, public speaking, product development, and research. I'm very happy to have him today on Huda's Career Info, and I hope you enjoy all the advice he is going to share as much as I do. Welcome, Dave Redekop, to my show. I'm very excited to talk about your work today, and because over the years, uh, everything you have done has uh, reflected your passion for career and leadership development. And speaking of passion, it was the career term you chose to elaborate on. And I agree with you, it has been getting some bad press in recent years. And I am one of those people who say, um, I do not advocate using follow your passion with my young clients, because Mm -hmm. I think for so many reasons, but today I wanna hear, what are you thinking when we use the phrase, follow your passion, and uh, how do you define passion within that phrase? Oh, great. And thanks for having me, Oda. And yeah, I'm, I'm very pleased to talk about that because, I, you know, years ago, um, 
we did a lot of work on, on passion and helping people follow their passion or follow their heart was, was one of the high five messages that, that uh, we came up with years ago. And, and we, we've worked with that term a lot, but what has happened over the years is passion has um, been defined differently by different people. So when we defined uh, passion back in the 90s, uh, from a career development point of view, it was this combination of your values, your interests, and, and, and the belief systems about how you should live those values and interests out. And, and so it was a really nice kind of collection of what's the core of your heart, really. And so for us, passion or heart was kind of the same thing. Um, but lately, uh, people have been using follow your passion to mean well, you know, if, if you like playing tennis, just go play tennis over and over again. And that's never what we meant, right? It wasn't about an activity. It was never about an activity. It was never about a job title. It was about what's important to you, values, what's enjoyable for you, interests, and, and the belief systems you had, the worldviews that would bring those two things to life. But uh, so people are, are saying, well, you shouldn't follow your passion because, you know, you might not be able to be a tennis player. And I agree, <laughs> like that, that's not what it means, but we, we got to get clear about that. And it's one of the problems with our field. And it's one of the reasons I think you're doing this podcast, right? Or, or this webinar series is uh, we don't have universal agreement about the terms we use, even things like career development. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. It is the reason. And I am glad you uh, to hear you clarify this term because yes, well, passion is taken maybe so literally that we are not thinking a little bit uh, outside the box because it is beliefs, values and uh, interests that we promote and not just passion <laughs> in the literal sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So uh, either we have to, I mean, and maybe it's a good thing that we you know, somebody's debating this so that then it all comes to the surface, right? Um, and then we can figure out, well, what's a better term than passion? And there probably are better terms, right? But um, uh, it's essentially, I would hate for young people to think uh, that they shouldn't follow what's important to them or what's interesting for them uh, or what they believe to be true. Like, I, I just think that would be tragic. Yes, I agree with you, but uh, some clarification and discussions such as this one are important and uh, we're trying, we're doing our best in the career field to, you know, yeah. get the conversation going on this thing. Uh, another important co concern right now in the career development field as well is mental wellness. And Dave, you wrote uh, recently a book with Michael Houston on the relationship between career development and mental health, which is right now with the pandemic, it's a very important topic. The name of the book is Strengthening Mental Health Through Effective Career Development, A Practitioner's Guide. It seems to me to so very timely, like with the phases in the pandemic, we're going back and forth and we are all under a lot of stress is, would I be, what would I be able to do next? So what inspired you to write this book? And can you share any tips uh, from the book or one tip for, for, with, for the career practitioners? Oh, for sure. You know, the inspiration was um, very uh, selfish for us and for our field. Um, you know, the mental health movement, even before COVID, 
Well, it was a very big thing, right? Like people are taking mental health seriously and, and uh, it's, it's great that they are. And there's all these uh, programs out there and, and apps on your phone, if you want them, about mindfulness and meditation. And you, you see people going to yoga with their mats rolled up and, and it's great. I mean, it really is great. And the problem with it uh, from a career development point of view was we also uh, were seeing administrators going, hey, you know, this mental health stuff is really important um, and we should put more resources in it, which is great. But then they go, where do we find the resources? And some of them were saying, well, let's, let's cut career development services and use that money and pull it over and put it into mental health services, say in a university or in a school, right? And on the surface, that might look like it makes sense, but it makes no sense, right? Because uh, career development, what we wanted to show was that career development is actually foundational to much of mental health. And, and uh, so the motivation was to show that what we do actually has value, not just from employment or planning points of view, but that what we do as career development practitioners has value from a mental health or well-being point of view. So we thought we'd dig up the research, we'd show this, you know, and off we go. And it wasn't that simple, right? That, that uh, our field tends to take uh, that idea for granted. So we don't research it, right? That like most career development practitioners, if you ask them, do you contribute to your client's mental health? They go, well, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course I do. And then you ask them, well, do you measure it? And they go, oh, no. No. And why so, would I? And why exactly. would I, right? It's yeah. like the obvious, right? Um, you know, even going back to Donald Super in the 50s, um, somewhere in one of his books, he, he has this, the psychology of careers. You know, he has this line about, and of course we contribute to well-being, or it goes something like that, right? So what we did was we thought, well, we'll point out the obvious and, and dig up what research was there. And what we found, and here is back to your, the reason for your show, is uh, terminology problems. So researchers say in sociology, um, when, they, when they hear the term career development, what they actually hear in their minds is work. That's all they hear. So work and mental health has been studied a great deal by economists and medical people and sociologists and uh, uh, those types, uh, public health. Uh, but career development as a process that uh, there's very, very little direct research on career development and uh, positive mental health. So uh, we, we started out with a, a fellow in um, uh, Scotland, Peter Robertson, who, who teaches at um, uh, uh, Edinburgh Napier University. And he actually wrote a couple of papers about career counseling and career development as contributors to mental health back in 2000, I think 13 or 15 or both. And so that was kind of our starting point was we started with that and then tried to find out what was out there. And there's lots on work and there's um, uh, evidence that, that would suggest that, you know, or, or point to the fact that as career development practitioners, we help with mental health, but that whole systematic study of it still needs an awful lot of work. So yeah, that, that's kind of why we wrote the book. And, and we, I think, 
well, I know we gathered enough evidence to, to kind of prove our point in our view, um, but now we, we really need to get practitioners everywhere measuring this and keeping track of it and talking to their clients about it so that this can be communicated, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yes. And I, I mean, in my, as I, I was reading a book about therapy and I was thought, well, I do a bit of that in my uh, career coaching. Uh, and so, yes, we need, I think, to talk more about it because it's, it's part of the services we offer. Yeah, and one of the things I'll, I'll, you know, you'd ask for sort of two ideas or two tips and I'll, or a, a tip and I'll give you two actually. And the first one was just um, very helpful for both Mike and I. Um, when I, when we started talking about this and I had, I don't know how, but I'd mentioned it to a group of people and a fellow named Mark Slump who runs student services at the University of Lethbridge immediately sent me an email and he said, uh, look up Corey Keyes, you, you need to go no further when you're thinking about mental health. And so I did. And sure enough, that's the, the model we ended up using because uh, when you think about career development practitioners, uh, the good ones, right, have been very careful that they don't move outside of their boundaries of competence, right? They're, they're concerned about it ethically, they're concerned about it professionally, and so um, when, just like when we say to an economist career development, all they hear is work. When we say to a career development practitioner, mental health, all they hear is mental illness. And they've been taught rightfully that they shouldn't mess with mental illness, right? And so th there's been this um, hesitancy to even look at the whole topic, right? Because they don't wanna mess with mental illness. But the Corey Keyes model uh, is, ask the question, what if we looked at it as two continuous? So you can be you know, mentally ill on one side, not mentally ill on the other side, or yeah, mentally ill, not mentally ill, or mentally healthy, not mentally healthy. And it means you can be both at the same time, mentally healthy and mentally ill. And that frees up a lot of things, right? And everybody knows somebody who's got a diagnosed mental illness, but who most of the time is quite mentally healthy. Like we know that happens, right? And so with Corey Key's model, uh, what it allows us to do is talk to practitioners and say, don't worry about mental illness directly. Worry about your client's mental health, you know, moving up this way and into flourishing. Um, and if you worry about the mental health, their mental health, they can use to mitigate the symptoms, the severity, the length of whatever mental illness condition they have, right? And so it just kind of release, releases practitioners uh, to have conversations about mental health without worrying about overstepping their bounds um, and, and trying to be psychotherapists or a psychiatrist or anything like that. You don't have to be, but you can always talk to somebody about how meaningful their life is and, and what kind of relationships they have and how they can cope, which are all mental health issues, right? And, and, and that's, it's a, yeah, that's important for us to know because it's, it tells us how, how they're going to do on their job, right? If they're not, if they have other issues of coping or um, then we need to defer them to a specialist for sure. Right. That's how we right. differentiate. Right. And uh, what's interesting about it is, as we've been teaching this in, in Canada and, and lately Australia and, and England, um, uh, what 
what we're finding is that as people um, feel freed up to talk about mental health, those mental illness issues that might be there that should be addressed, you know, as part of the whole service package are, are more, they, they come up more readily so that the practitioner can make that referral you're talking about, you know, because the client's not embarrassed about it, the client's, you know, not hiding it. And, and so they can talk about both things uh, simultaneously. I want to be mentally healthy and I've got to deal with this mental illness. And it, it's kind of nice, right? I yeah. was talking to Robert Manolson and he told me there's something called mental wellness. Is that something that could be what you're trying to say is that you're not up there, but you're not down here? Yeah, you know, and this is where we get into just all sorts of terminology terminology issues, right? Like what's the difference between mental health, mental wellness, well-being, mental well-being. And, and uh, I, I'm not, well, one of the things that surprised me a little bit was um, I thought when we got into this, we would at least find pretty clear definitions of just mental health, you know, uh, uh, and uh, even there, there's no clarity in the psychiatric or medical community versus the sociological community versus psychology versus public health, right? In fact, we're, we're giving a talk, uh, uh, you know, for ACDC on definitions of mental health and how to measure things and which one to pick as a career development practitioner, because it's really messy. And so then you add wellness, like mental wellness onto it or mental well-being onto it or, or well-being generally onto it, and it gets even messier. So you know, we're, we're mostly sticking to mental health, but um, I think you could use mental wellness as a synonym. And, and for us, what's important is in working with clients, what works for them. So some clients, you know, culturally, you can't talk mental health because again, what do they hear? Mental illness, right? Yeah. So, but with, you know, some clients you want to talk about well-being or wellness, right? Other clients, you can talk about mental health. And it just depends what, what you're trying to do. And again, we're, we're not trying to uh, become mental health experts. What we're showing in the book is that we're already influencing mental health. So why don't we do it a little bit more intentionally and, and, and in so doing, do it a little bit more effectively. And um, it seems to be working, you know, it seems to be working. Yes, I mean, um, you talk about stress in the guide and uh, definitely that's something that we discuss with our clients when they're wanting to leave a job or, um, you know, um, they're not happy at work. We try to dig deep is that why do they need to change? And so uh, definitely topics that are relevant to our field. Oh, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of stress, that's the other, the, the, the second <laughs> sort of tip for practitioners that I think is really important. And it's one of these things that, again, it's, it's so obvious people miss it. And, um, and including myself, um, what, one of the things we borrow quite heavily on in the book is, is a model by Brian Hebert that I think he put back, you know, put together in the late 1980s. Like, this is not brand new, right? And, and I remember hearing about it in the 80s or 90s at least and um, going, well, that's obvious, and, and then not paying any attention to it. But luckily, Mike, Mike did <laughs> and kept paying attention to it. And it's just this idea, uh, and it, this is a very cool thing as a practitioner, I think. When people are stressed, it's because they perceive they cannot meet a demand. They won't be able to cope with a demand, right? 
So uh, you're a student, you've got an exam coming up and you're stressed to the max because you don't think you're ready for the exam. You won't meet the demand, right? Or um, for young people right now, the demand is what am I gonna do after COVID? And am I equipped for that? And do I know how to look for work and all those sorts of things. And, and it, right, so you perceive I won't make it and that creates stress. If you think you're gonna make it, there's no stress, right? The demand doesn't change, it's how we perceive it. So there's three ways to, as a, from an intervention point of view, as a practitioner, uh, there's three ways to help a client with that. And the first one always is, can we lower that demand? Like that perception uh, um, that, that um, you may still think that you, you can't quite cope with it, but we can lower how much pressure there is on you to cope with it. And, and we can do that in a number of ways. So a student comes to you and says, oh man, you know, I'm in grade 11 and I don't know what I should be. And I got to pick my courses and blah, blah, blah. And I'm never going to get my career straightened out. Well, one of the things you can do to lower the demand is normalize, right? Just say, hey, you're the 10th student I've talked to today <laughs> in a row that doesn't know what they want to do. And guess what? That's, that's okay, right? And you get the sigh of relief and the perception of stress goes down, like the demand actually lowers, right? Or you could say to a student who's you know, stressed about an exam, well, drop the course, right? Demand goes down. Now that's not always a smart move, but it will, it will bring the, the stress down, right? So that's option number one. And, but sometimes people actually want things, right? Like to finish a course. And this is where career development kicks in. The second best option isn't meditation or yoga or exercise or eating right. Those are all good things, but that's not the second option. The second option is helping the client cope more effectively with that demand. So if they're worried about an exam, well, how do they improve their study skills? How do they improve their knowledge of the topic, et cetera, et cetera. If they're worried about career development choices, how do they learn more about career development and how to make that happen and how to, you know, right? Build up their skill. That's what we do as a field. And if that doesn't work, then of course you should look after your sleep and your eating and your exercise and your mindfulness and all that. Cause it's, you just got to cope with a, a stress you can't get rid of. Right. But what we offer is as a field, we're really good at helping people with coping skills uh, in all sorts of ways. And typically, and, and I, have, I have played with this, right? Google mental health and see what interventions come up. You will not hear coping skills. You will, you will see mindfulness, meditation, exercise, and it's all good, but it assumes you can't do anything about the demand. And we help people deal with the demand. I think it's fantastic, right? But it's so obvious that- That's how you described it, but it's not obvious to everyone. Uh, and I just wanna repeat what you said, is that when you say career development, people think work, and can you find me a job right away? Yes or no? And that's yeah. all, that's what we're labeled with. And it's, I love this conversation where you took it because you highlighted the difference between work and career development. Yeah, work is probably within it for sure. Oh yeah, it, it's a piece of it, but the the way more important part for us is is the career development because that's what will carry you through when you lose work and you got to find more work, 
Well, you've still got the career development process going on. You, you've got, and, and the skills you've learned stick with you, right? So you can handle that new demand because you're skilled, right? Not because you're relaxed. And, and I mean, and I, again, I don't want to, like all those things about uh, managing stress are important, but they're, they're um, uh, you're kind of spinning your wheels if you don't actually deal with the demand at some point. This is wonderful advice, Dave. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for writing this book. It's definitely an important piece of work. You're listening to Career Buzz on CIUT 89.5 FM in Toronto and worldwide at CIUT.FM. Stories show that who you are matters. I'm your host, Mark Franklin. Before continuing on with today's show, I want to let listeners know about the Career Buzz podcast episodes of inspiring career stories. Go to careercycles.com and click podcast or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And please do leave us a review. Have a listen to some of our really great past episodes. The first interview with Dave Redekop uh, from 2013, go to the Career Buzz link and search Redekop, R-E-D-E-K-O-P-P, and you'll hear that really great interview about the uh, now-next-future perspective. On another of Hoda's career info sessions, meet Jim Bright, known for his fascinating work and uh, relevance to the Chaos Theory of Careers. Check the February 16th, 2022 edition of Career Buzz. And if you're looking for a powerful story of entrepreneurship, look no further than my last episode of Career Buzz featuring my father, Al Franklin, on the March 9th episode. Go to careercycles.com, click podcast, or subscribe to the Career Buzz podcast on your favorite podcast app. Did you know you can also find Career Buzz on Facebook? We have links to past episodes, pictures, and more. Go to facebook.com slash careerbuzzshow. Now, let's get back to Hoda's career info and her interview with Dave Redekop. And um, my next question to you is, what is the most interesting project you are currently working on that you could like to share with us? You know, um, uh, even though I had time to think about that question beforehand, I'm I'm still (laughs) waffling about the answer. We're doing some really interesting things at the moment. Um, And, uh, you know, right now, actually, I think probably the most interesting is uh, we're we're delivering a, a career development training program, uh, it's called the Career Development Competency Program, to um, First Nations caseworkers from across Alberta. So they, these are people who do uh, frontline uh, income assistance work in social development departments in various nations. I think there's about 22 involved right now, uh, all in Alberta. And uh, we were doing it face-to-face with about, oh, we had about 75 people signed up. Uh, and it was all in Edmonton. They would come from, you know, high level or, or Little Red River or Siksika or, or wherever. And of course, COVID changed all that. And then we, we went online in the fall uh, to do this all by Zoom. And uh, we, we had put that off because there's all sorts of equity issues, right? Around the equipment, around internet connectivity, uh, around, uh, you know, working at home when you're in a small house and you got six kids and it's really hard for some of these people. And so we did lose some students when we went online, but man, it's just been fascinating to uh, 
work with these folks who are um, just really dedicated to to improving their practice and and literally do have you know several kids uh, in the background of the Zoom call who are either you know being Zoom uh, homeschooled or or schooled via Zoom. Um, but meanwhile, they're really trying to learn this stuff, and it's quite intense. It's it's uh, almost a week a month, like full. We we teach from nine to four. It goes for uh, ten months, and it's it's a full on over two hundred hour training program. And uh, and what what's fun about it is it ends with um, a two day uh, session with actors. And so we bring in actors, which normally we do live, but now we're doing with Zoom. And they play the role of the client or the employer or the the whoever, and it's just been it's just been a blast to watch this work and to watch it work with Zoom, um, and and to see, uh, see yeah to see these folks take it on the, the 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 tenacity and courage they have is well beyond anything I could imagine for myself I'll tell you so that's been really interesting is just putting that all together. And we have these great facilitators, uh, uh, you know, from across the province and actually elsewhere, but this go round, they're mostly in the province. And it's, uh, we're, we're also trying out a, it's a bit of a joint venture with uh, the Canadian Career Development Foundation and Life Strategies out of BC, because um, we're trying to figure out ways, and this is one experiment, to work together more in a more integrated way uh, across Canada to deliver this kind of training. And um, yeah, we've got work to do. We being me, I'm the bottleneck in all of this stuff. But once once I get myself a little bit more organized, I think it, it could be. It's a really powerful model for um, uh, helping people in remote areas uh, get things done. And we can do it through Zoom. We've still got face to face. Roberta Nolt and Life Strategies has facilitated, um, but kind of um, self directed courses. CCDF has fully online self-directed courses. So we're trying to put it all together and it's a bit of an experiment and uh, so far so good, yeah. What a marvelous initiative. I am so happy to hear it. I mean, we talk about inclusion a lot and, and there you are like right in the middle of it with a hands-on approach. So I do applaud you and uh, okay. I didn't know about this project. So I'm, I'm happy you shared it. Uh, and yes, hopefully it'll be a cross Canada thing. And- That yeah, uh, would be great, yeah. Yeah, it'd be really nice, actually. And, and it could be, right? Because ultimately the funding for it comes from Indigenous Services Canada. So it's a national funder. And then in our case, the, the, the funds go through the Lesser Slave Lake Indian Regional Council and uh, who've been fantastic to work with. And yeah, we could do similar things in any province. Uh, it's just orchestrating it and yeah. And with Zoom now, I think it might be, uh, I don't know, it's a lot easier for the facilitators, but perhaps not for the attendees to, to be able right. to contribute, right? So Yeah, uh, well, and that's something we all have to work on. And I mean, like nationally, every single Canadian has to work on is, is think about how do we prioritize internet service, which is more and more is just becoming a fundamental need, right? If you want to be successful um, in, in many ways, it's just a need of communities and many of these communities don't have it. Um, and that's kind of tragic. That is something we need to do to be pushing for definitely. And yeah. I'm glad you brought it up in this discussion. Yeah. And um, 
Yes, I agree with you. Without internet, I could not run my business right now as a solopreneur. I would be home doing nothing really. Uh, so definitely an important medium for business yeah. and for learning as well, of course. Um, this is a huge project, but I always end <laughs> with um, asking my guests, because we tell our clients, you know, you have to have a five to 10 year plan or a thought for five to 10 years, what are you going to do from now? So you already shared this initiative, but are there any other projects or initiative that you think the career development field should undertake and that you would like to be um, involved in? Oh, You're already involved in a lot. but <laughs> yeah. no, there, There's a few actually, but you know, the one that I'll, I'll bring it back to mental health. Um, um, uh, Michael Houston and I, you know, as we were writing the book, it became obvious we needed some way to measure change in mental health. And so we started snooping around and, and make a long story short, we've ended up creating a, our own sort of mental health change measure that we're just playing with at the moment. But then that got us thinking about, well, how do we use it not only as a just an outcome measure, but as a process measure that would help clients and practitioners see that things are improving, not just in terms of, you know, their ability to get work, but, but how they're feeling about life and themselves. And, and then that got us, re, you know, connected with Serena Hopkins and, at, and Annika Lola at uh, CCDF in Ottawa, because they have really nice software called Prime that would uh, enable us to take our measure of mental health, put it into that software, and, and help both the practitioner and the client. All of that is very um, tentative and draft at the moment, but it is, has led us to actually um, a series of conversations with Wales, Scotland, and England um, to have a, uh, a, a common measure that Wales, Scotland, England, and Canada could try out. And it may not be the one Mike and I have come up with, that's fine. Um, but there, I'm pretty convinced uh, that that this group, which is being led by Serena and Deirdre Hughes out of England, uh, I think this group's going to come up with something. And what's cool about it is it won't be tied to any specific view of mental health. So you don't have to say, oh, I'm a fan of Martin Seligman, right? Or I'm a fan of this psychiatric approach. It's just, no, no, this is this is will transcend all of those things. I'm a career development approach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, that's very exciting. And that, because, you know, as I said, when describing the book, we don't measure this stuff. And so when an administrator says to us, well, I need, you know, half your budget to go to mental health outcomes, we, we, we have nothing to say about it, except, okay, you know, that's unfortunate, but okay. But if we had measures, and it's not that difficult, we, we could say, well, hang on, here's the damage you would be doing to mental health, right? Or, you know, here, here's the good stuff we're doing. So that's exciting. Well, I'm glad you're working with CCDF. Lots of work, good work comes from there. So it's- Oh, yeah, I, I've been involved with CCDF since, oh man, I think 1994. I was uh, first on their board of directors or board of governors. And uh, yeah, and they're a great organization to work with. Yes, absolutely. So I, I know you will get it done then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah.
Yeah, well, was there anything else you wanted me to ask you and I didn't or that you wanted to share uh, before mm -hmm. we wrap up? No, you know, my problem is uh, uh, I would just go on and on and on and on. So the, the idea of one more, it's like eating popcorn. No, you can't have just one more. So no, I, I, I think we're good. And, uh, you know, um, I just hope people uh, yeah, listening know, you know, that the, um, they can contact me and, and uh, it's not hard to get a hold of career development people. And they're all interested in chatting about career development. That's why we're in this business, right? Nobody's in it for the money that I know of. Um, and so we're in it because we're interested and, and we do want to talk about it and we do want to make it better. And um, uh, so I'm really hoping, yeah, your series gets out there and gets people talking to each other and talking to career people um, as well about just what's going on and how things have changed and all that. That'd be great. It certainly has been a fun and interesting conversation for me. And thank you so much for agreeing to show up on my show. Oh, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure. And, and um, yeah, hopefully you'll get lots and lots of views. That'd be great. Thank you so much for joining me in another amazing episode of Who Does Kiddie Info. Dr. Dave Redekop's work and experience in general, as well as his focus on career development and mental health combined, is something to celebrate for me and for everyone in the career field. Um, but for me in particular, as I strive to raise awareness about the value of career literacy, and of course, about the work that career development practitioners do. You can connect with Dave on his website, life-role.com or on LinkedIn. Until next time, stay focused on your mental health. You've been listening to Career Buzz Stories, show that who you are matters. I'm your host, Mark Franklin. You can find out more about me at careercycles.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email me. It's mark with a K at careercycles.com. Thanks to my guests today, Hoda Kalani and Dave Redekop. Technical production was by Lucy Welsh. Subscribe to Career Buzz on your favorite podcast app and find it at the podcast link on careercycles.com. Catch Career Buzz every Wednesday at 11 a.m. on CIUT. That's it for today's episode of Career Buzz. Thanks for listening.